Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat over the next couple of hours. Let's get straight to it this Monday, the first day of the week. Insurance is a big issue for business. We know this. We've talked about it in the past here on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. And unfortunately for a Meath businesswoman, it's raised its head again. I'm joined on Late Lunch this afternoon uh, by Linda Murray, who's from Huckleberry's Den in Navan. I'm sure an awful lot of you have, have had your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves there. But insurance could be putting all that in jeopardy. Linda, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jerry. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. And we're delighted to have you with us. Tell us about Huckleberries. What have you there? And I'm not joking, you get some amount of visitors, don't you, every year? Yeah. Um, I opened Huckleberry's Den six years ago. Um, It's a fun, safe um, environment for children and adults to come in, have a play, be comfortable. Mummies and daddies and guardians can have a nice cup of coffee. Kids can play around. Come in and have your birthdays. We do arts and crafts. We do parent and toddler mornings it's a really lovely place if I do say so myself there's so much I don't know fun there's so many smiles on the kids faces it's a wonderful place to own and I'm delighted to be part of it and we have fantastic staff and you've had massive footfall I know that through the place in the last year or so up to 20,000 children who've come and enjoyed the facility as well how many people do you employ 12 okay so those 12 people have their jobs there with you in the centre Insurance is, I said there, for the people in the hospitality sector, it's a big, big factor. When when you open, how much would insurance a premium cost you a year for public liability? Yeah. When I opened six years ago, my insurance jury was €2,500. My last premium was €16,500. That can't continue. And I have been told... Um, that I will not get insurance later on in the year when I go to get it because I have two outstanding claims. So I am one of... And many, many play centres around Ireland um, that are in the same boat. And I'm not exaggerating when I say if something doesn't change, then the next year or two years, there won't be anywhere to bring your kids to play. There won't be play centres. We can't afford the increases. As a group, um, over the last five years, our insurance has increased by 850%. Some play centres in this county, Gerry, in County Meath, are paying up to €100,000 in insurance for a play centre. I mean, you, you you just can't continue doing that. And they would have paid maybe five or six thousand when they opened. Um, we don't have any underwriter or insurance company in Ireland that we can go to. There's only one in the UK that will insure companies in Ireland. And they have dropped two thirds of their brokers over the last three months. And um, 
we don't really know what the future holds. They're saying that um, the Irish market is a loss-making market and because of our claims culture here in Ireland that they have very little interest in insuring play centres. That claims culture, is it alive and well? We have to say with a minority, a small minority of people? A very small minority of people. Um, I've had 120,000 people in in six years. Um, and as I said, I have two outstanding claims. So um, when, I mean, for 99% of your time there, um, you're just seeing, as I said, happy faces. Um, you do see kids trip. You see them bang heads. You see them fall. The exact same as that would happen at home, would happen out in the field, would happen doing sports. It can happen in a play centre. But we have to adhere to so much health and safety. We can't open our doors without that. So we are making sure our environment is as safe as possible. But even with that, kids are kids. They're going to fall. They're going to have a little bit of an accident. But the onus is not on the activity centre unless they've been negligent. And when you think to yourself, you're sitting at home and you're looking at your poor child that maybe has a little uh, tissue injury or in some cases it could have broken its arm or broken a finger or broken a foot or something. If the if there has been no negligence on the business, please don't claim off the business. What's happening is you might think, oh, well, they've insurance. It's OK. No, it's not OK. By claiming off people like me, you're going to put us out of business because the insurance companies have to get their money back from somewhere. And they do it by upping your claims. And it's not been upped by a thousand euro or two thousand one centre in Navan has had no claim. Sorry, not in Navan in County Meath has had no claims, and their insurance has gone from five thousand to sixteen thousand in a year. So that bears out the point that claims are one part of it, but obviously in general premiums are rising because of the overall situation of claims in the country. Here's the thing: play is rough and tumble, as you said yourself. Whether that be at home. Uh, in on the field of play, they're at sport or just out playing. These things happen. Bruises happen. Breaks happen. You're not saying, and this is to make clear, that if there is a genuine case where somebody is genuinely hurt or injured and it is the fault of the provider, that's a genuine case. 100%. That's why we have You've no issue with that. That's Absolutely what insurance no is for. I'd have, no issue, I'd have no issue if I went somewhere and something went from under me um, and, you know, a piece of equipment or something went and it shouldn't have. Um, and, I, and you know, there's absolutely no problem with claiming in that sense. If in my centre the slide has a screw sticking out or it breaks halfway down, which has never happened, but I'm saying if that was to happen, hands up were hands up. I should have had that right. And if I didn't, I'm negligent. And therefore, your child get injured, gets injured, absolutely sue off me. But don't claim off a business like me if it's not our fault. There's insurance there for a reason. It's to cover negligence. But unfortunately, um, more and more companies and businesses aren't negligent and they're still being claimed off and awards are still being paid out. Did you know, Jerry, that only 6% of all claims make it to court? That's, they're settled. They're settled. They're not taken forward. Look, I know this. I've heard it in the past. Insurance companies now, and I'm not saying, like, uh, pointing directly at anybody, but there seems to be a feeling that when a, ca- when a claim comes up, they look at it and they, they weigh it up. What will, it. what will it cost us to go to court with this? And they have to make a call on it. I understand that as well. Is it the lesser of two evils? But at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to pay next yeah. year and your colleagues in the business as well. Would you say that, though, uh, a lot of cases are a number of cases, deserve more investigation before that payment is made. Absolutely, 100%. 
Um, now, having saying that, even through investigation, uh, it might still come to fore that um, the business isn't at fault and the insurance companies still think to themselves, is it worth bringing to court or not? So there's a few things that have to change. Um, and as part of the Alliance for Insurance Reform that I'm a director of for the last probably six months, um, I actively got involved in this organisation because they're there trying to, they recognise that in all different types of businesses in Ireland, there's a big need for insurance to change. Um, they have written 10 asks for the government. Um, Minister Darcy is the present um, junior minister in the Department of Finance and he's responsible for insurance and we're urging and urging him to do something faster you know, sooner rather than later, mm. or people like me are going to be gone. Um, only last night, Jerry, one leg in the bed, going to get in to shut my eyes, and a message comes in on my phone with all this media attention that I've been getting um, from a lady, a lovely lady, who said, "Thank you so much for what you're doing. I wish it wasn't too late for me, but unfortunately, I my business had to go a month ago because of insurance." And I'm just hearing that over and over, and. Like, guys, small businesses are worth, I mean, we one and a half million people are working in small businesses. We're 70% of the workforce. Small businesses need insurance. Um, we need, we're here to keep the economy going. We're here to keep ourselves going. Um, and we just can't sustain these levels of increase in insurance. We, we just can't. Um, and I know there's a lot of pressing matters going on at government level, um, namely the B word that we're listening to every, every yes. day. But um, this is very serious too for small businesses. Very, very serious. The, the, the particular cases without naming names are pointing the, the two that are outstanding against you. Are they genuine or do you feel they're spurious? Um, I know that um, the children got injured, but it's not through my fault. Okay, so there's question marks over each of these. Absolutely, okay. yeah. And these have gone forward for claim and yes, been pushed. Yes, absolutely, mm. yeah. Um, and again, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty no, no. of them. Um, but yeah, that's what happens. We've one um, centre in our groups um, where um, a claim came forward um, one year after the apparent incident. Um, I mean... Companies don't even know that in the background people are thinking about claiming from them from something that happened over a year ago. Um, a, a, a new law has come in today, January 28th, um, Section 8. It's one of our asks, actually, that we um, had asked for to be put through. And more or less, it's, it means that um, if you're intending on claiming on a business, um, you've 30 days to basically let them know. It means that businesses can then grab their CCTV footage and grab anything yes. that they might have about the incident. Because or there's a law on that as well. You can only retain it for what, how long? A month? Well, with GDPR, you can only have a month now. So that would tie in with that. If you, if you don't yeah. make the notice within the month, sure, you, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. and you welcome that, obviously, that change 100%. that's happening today. Yeah. So that's one of the things. Back to the the investigations of it. The Garda Insurance Fraud Unit, um, this... You've called for this to be set up. Is it a new unit within the Garda? Absolutely. We're looking for a Garda fraud unit to investigate fraudulent or um, questionable claims. Um, I think this happens quite a lot in the UK. Um, if you were to take the UK as a comparison to Ireland, um, whiplash in the UK costs between three and 5,000 to sort out. In Ireland, it costs between fifteen and 20,000. There's something wrong there. Oh, the payouts are exorbitant. We've heard this before. We know this, that this is the case. It's just off the radar, isn't it? But Jerry, am I going to be sitting here or somebody else going to be sitting here in two years' time talking about this again? We can't keep talking about it. You know, as I talk to more and more people, they're saying, oh, that happened to me a year ago, my business went, or someone else says, oh, I knew of someone else who had that happened to two years. We can't keep talking about it. It has to change. We have to sort out something with insurance. We have to make it less easy or get rid of the culture that has seeped into people's minds that they think something has happened to their little child. We need to claim for it. Stop wrapping our kids up in cotton wool. Um, 
if if they have fallen or something has happened in a company where they're negligent, absolutely go for it. But if not, sit back and just think for a second. Do I really need to claim off this business who really didn't do anything wrong to my child? My child had an injury in their premises, but it's not their fault. I'm not going to bring this any further. And maybe the business itself might like to um, pay towards medical expenses. They might like to give out a voucher to the child, something, because they don't want to feel bad about it either. But yes. don't blame them. And, and that's an option. That's an option for Absolutely. people as well. You're listening to Linda this afternoon. Have you anything to say on this? Have you experience of it? What's your view about these exorbitant payouts, the way insurance operates? Do you understand what the implications are here? There are 12 people's jobs on the line here in Huckleberries, in County Mead, because of this. If you've anything to say, we'd love to hear from you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now, for you at this point in time, the company you're dealing with have indicated to you they are not going to insure you. If that situation prevails when your renewal date comes up, it's the end of the line, is it, for Huckleberries? It's the end of the line. It's absolutely the end of the line for me and for uh, 12 people. Yeah. I really am hoping that doesn't happen, which is why I've come out in force. Um, well, I'm, t- I'm taking a risk here, Jerry. Um, people in play centres over the last two or three years that have had these massive insurance hikes, we've been afraid to say anything. Because by saying something, are you putting the idea into somebody's head that it's making it easy for people to claim? What I'm trying to do by coming out uh, and putting my heart on my sleeve is basically saying to people, please don't do it. In case you thought that it was okay to claim and that because they had insurance it was okay, it's not. I am taking a risk on doing it. I'm hoping by doing it that the government are going to listen more. Um, Michael Darcy will, will try and help us as much as he can. And that we can get another underwriter or insurance company to insure businesses in Ireland in the leisure and play centre industry. If they say no and they're pulling away and it's only a UK base at the moment, you're needing, as you said there, you're needing somebody to step into the breach, an insurance company of yeah. Irish extract or elsewhere as yeah. well. To I've come no in. tricks up my sleeve. This isn't, I'm not doing this and believe me, I'm stressed about it enough. I'm not doing this just to do it. I have no business in a few months time if I don't get insurance. It's not that I have a second one there that's going to charge me more or a second one there that's looking for more excess. I've nothing. I've no option which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. How have you managed with that exorbitant increase year on year? You've obviously had to make cutbacks elsewhere. What have you done to try and meet the premium even as it is? And it's huge. Well, the one thing we didn't do is cut anything to do with staff wages or staff hours. I cut my own um, wages um, and I'm lucky that my husband's employed. Um, So I cut my own wages and... um, we just had a look at all our costs. Um, I mean, people like to come into a warm environment. You hate putting heat on and off. Um, but you, you do have extra looks at those things. Yeah, yeah, you know, if you come in and I, I sometimes walk in the door and I'm like, is everyone a bit too warm or is it just me? <laughs> do I need to knock off that heat? Do I need to put it on? You're looking at all different things, you know. But it's very hard to cut costs where children are involved. You know, you have to keep the centre right. Um, you have to keep parents right. We've lovely, beautiful mummies coming in and breastfeeding their children and we welcome that so much. They have to be warm, you know. They want to get a nice cool glass of water when they're doing it their other kids are playing around so you have to keep the environment right so it's very hard to cut costs on it Mm -hmm. so really I just cut my own 
And uh, we have to say, in an Irish weather context, play centres, we need them. You know, in the uh, winter and uh, tough spring times of the year as well, we have to have them. You know what I mean? When the weather's not nice here, it's nice to be able to go to some place, isn't it? And be indoors. Absolutely. When the sun came last year, Jerry, we were extremely quiet. I did a few rain dances at night time around my bed, trust me. Um, but yeah, no, play centres are there for this Irish weather where it's cold and it's wet and you can come somewhere in the winter and play. Another thing that we do, Gerry, um, in a lot of our centres is we provide a place for people from residential homes and people who perhaps are in foster care and, um, you know, uh, in in various homes that are coming in, maybe to just have a bit of fun, get a bit of respite, come in for a play. We do special needs events every month where we close the centre and it's only open for special needs kids and their families. You know, really... Fantastic, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to read some of the comments. I want to read some of the comments coming to us this afternoon. Uh, Jerry, what Linda is looking for is a shake up of the system, but the culture is run by the legal system. Professional people make loads of money. That's the bottom line. Thank you for that comment there. Another one says, Oh my God, it would be such a pity to see Huckleberries go. It's such a great place to bring children and the only one in Navin. I want to wish Linda and our staff all the very best of luck. Another one there. Jerry, listening to this lady, I'm just gobsmacked. This has been ongoing for so long. As you said earlier in the show, yes, it's not the first time it's raised its head here about the hospitality sector. How many businesses, uh, says the list, have gone to the wall. This lady's self-employed and doing her best to employ local people. Why has the government not taken this in hand? And it should do as soon as possible. I think that's reflecting what you're you're saying there as well. Have you been to Huckleberries? Do you know it? If you'd like to comment 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. It's a stark situation if it's not tackled. Number one, by, you know, you have to say the powers that be in this country have to come to your aid, don't they? That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Like I have a, a two little girls, Jerry, just turned three and just turned four. And they have to, they, they don't know that mommy owns a play centre. They just know that they go to Huckleberries every week and they absolutely love it. Um, I don't know where I'm going to bring them in a, like in a few months if it closes. Really? The, I mean, I I don't know I, where people in Avon are going to go. And um, we'll have to go outside of the town to, to somewhere else until, you know, hopefully the same won't happen to them. But there's such a need for these centres. There really is. Um, birthday parties. Um, I mean, we're doing 25, 30 birthday parties a week. People who don't want to have the mess at home. Maybe people who live in apartments who just don't want to have a lot mm. of kids and you know there's not enough I room I myself never have my party at home I couldn't be cleaning up after people you have um, your own big party own. venue <laughs> aren't you lucky I, um, but yeah um, I mean I'm getting through this to be honest with you um, I'm, there's been no tears over the weekend um, it's adrenaline I'm, I'm still on adrenaline I'm, I'm so much support from people the Facebook page I decided to put this up on the Facebook page on Saturday because um I just didn't want people to think that we're closing um, and I wanted them to know that I'm fighting to keep it open I've never seen anything like to support Jerry. Mm. Really, it's, mm. it's it's just a tumbling. Well, we're seeing it here at the moment as we speak. And look, I, I want to say to you, I wish you the best of luck. I really do hope that your organisation of leisure centres makes an impact, you know what I mean, with the government and the minister and that, because that's where really this has to come from, you know Absolutely. what I mean, to sort it out. Yeah. I wish you well. And uh, please, God, we'll have good news on this as the days and uh, weeks ahead unfold. And let us know, will you? I will, of course. Absolutely. Hopefully I'll be back in a few months saying I'm still in business. Please, God, you will. That's the wish of everybody. But for the moment, Linda Murray from Huckleberries. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. 
with the deaths of four young men in a single vehicle accident in Donegal last evening. Road deaths this year make for bleak reading. Already in 2019, uh, January not out, remember this, we're not even at the end of the first month, 16 people have lost their lives on the roads in Ireland. Yet 2018 saw the least number of fatalities, 150 since records began. And despite all the new measures, better roads, vehicles, campaigns on safety etc, the road safety message really doesn't appear to be getting through to all road users. I'm joined on late lunch today by Mick Finnegan, who's Mead County Council Road Safety Officer. Mick, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. And I want to start today by uh, extending our sincere sympathy to the families of John Harley, Michal Rorty, Sean Harkin and Daniel Scott. They've just been named in the last while as the four young men who lost their lives, Mick, in Donegal. Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. And can I join in, in the condolences to their families as well? It's awful traumatic for the families and everyone belonging to the manager the friends as well. Yeah, my God Almighty, a small community just torn apart today after what happened last night. Mick, I, I did say at the beginning there, last year, like, look at one life lost on the road, we've said this before, is a life too many, but at 1.50 last year for the year, it was the lowest. Things were looking up, Mick. Things were looking up. Low, 150 was the lowest on record since records began. It was the lowest. And, you know, when you go back 20 years, you were talking about five, 600 people being killed on the roads at that time. And an awful lot of work has been done. 150 was the lowest. But at the moment, and you were, as you rightly said, we're not even at the end of January yet. We have 16 fatalities on the road. If that trend continues, the statistics have gone out the window because mm. you're talking about nearly 200 people again this year, which is traumatic, you know. It is, and it would be shocking to go backwards after such a wonderful uh, year last year. <laughs> Let's talk about the campaigns, Mick, and you've been involved. You've been coming here years on yeah. Michael's show in the morning as well with myself across the board on LMFM Radio in your role as a Garda first yeah. and then in, in, in your subsequent roles. The campaigns, you know, they go on all the time from the road safety and some of them are absolutely shocking, Mick. They are very, but very, very... They're great campaigns, They're actually. fantastic, but it seems that to a certain portion of the driving population on the roads, it's not getting through. It's not getting through to them and there are still five main reasons why all these accidents are happening and we do statistics for instance in relation to all fatality all fatal accidents and all serious injury accidents and I can say with very few exceptions every single fatality every single serious injury accident on the road is caused by somebody doing something stupid not necessarily the the victim sometimes by somebody else driving doing something stupid speed Jerry is still the biggest killer on the road absolutely by a long way speed is the biggest killer it's over the last couple of years it's responsible for rough 27% of the fatalities and that's horrendous uh, almost figures. a third uh, almost a third to yeah. speed yeah no, make, when you think about speed and, and you know from your time the roads have got better uh, cars are being maintained better with the NCT there are more restricted speed limits the guards are out there we yeah. have speed cameras and yet yes there's still speeding going on and um the speeding is being done by young male drivers. The statistics will show that young male drivers between 17 and 25, 26, they are the main culprits in this area. And in that, we'd appeal to them, number one, but also to their friends, their families, to tell them, for heaven's sake, slow down. Mm. Because when you get into a uh, situation and you're speeding, the chances of you controlling a car are so limited. You're just out of control. You will go from A to B 
at a reasonable speed and at a safe speed in a minute or two extra, no matter where you're going. You don't gain that much time. And I call on every one of them and on everybody that knows them to get them to slow down. It's the single biggest killer on the road. OK, so speed is the number one that needs to be tackled. Is there any case, Mick, for... Um, I suppose we try to legislate for everything under the world and you become a nanny state if you, if you go that far. And we have a lot of legislation for many things in Irish society today. But reducing the size of the power car, possibly that young people, boys and girls, are able to drive when they start out on the road. Is that something that should be looked at? It's certainly something that should be looked at. I'd be in total agreement with it. But there's no legislation there to deal with. And I'm not sure there ever will be. Mm. But there's certainly no legislation. But uh, the theory of it and the, the real reality of it it's so real that, that it has to improve things but the reality how do you enforce it mm. it's not in place at the moment and that is the major problem Now drink driving uh, historically you mentioned those numbers and I was just looking back 1972 make 640 people That's 640 right. people in 72 That's right. lost their lives on the road of Ireland less cars on the road at that stage That's right. Now I want to come out to the drink driving because in the past way back then people did it but look at over the years and bit by bit it's changed and thank God it has to today we're really you cannot take a drink we have to say With, yeah. forget about having a pint or the low limits you're better off saying none if that's, you drink don't drive and that's yes. the simple reality of it if you drink don't drive and yet um, Mick the, your former colleagues I saw figures over the Christmas and New Year are still stopping people who are over the limit well, the sad reality, Jerry, is that over the last two years, the number, the percentage of drunken drivers have increased, actually, again. And uh, for some reason, drunken driving has come back into the equation. Uh, back about 2015-16, uh, the figures had dropped dramatically. They have increased again, and it's shown in the number of detections. Um, I don't know what the reason is, but they are drinking again. There's people... Uh, drinking at night time uh, they're drinking their own houses and of course one of the things that is in the news very much at the present time is being caught by at Garda checkpoints the following morning and the reality is if um, and people should understand this say for instance they have six pints and they finish drinking at two o'clock in the morning which is can happen and does happen at nightclubs all this type of thing six pints is the equivalent of 12 units of alcohol and one unit of alcohol stays in your system for one hour. So 12 units of alcohol is in their system for 12 hours. If they finish drinking at 2 o'clock in the morning, there's alcohol in their system till 2 o'clock the next day. That's why they're getting caught the next morning. And, uh, you know, the, there was big controversy about there lately, but I'm aware uh, of checkpoints which have been done in the morning time over the Christmas period. Quite a number of people were arrested for drunken driving, even though they hadn't been drinking for five or six hours. But that's the reality of the situation, that every pint is two units. And it's in your system. And the point we want to make is this. You are going to be put off the road. You may lose your licence for a long time. If you depend on it for your family, for your work, you will not have it. This is the bottom line. And the consequences can be even worse with fines and with, uh, in extreme cases, you could be imprisoned because of this. And as well as that, you have to be insured again. You have to be insured and you'll be lucky to get insurance again because insurance companies will come down very, very hard on you if you have a conviction for, for uh, drunken driving. You have a, a very hefty fine. You have a suspension of up to four years. Uh, it could potentially cost you your job. Mm. It could potentially cost your family, your livelihood. It's it's very dramatic and it, people are taking awful chances uh, at that. The message is clear. The legislation is in. It won't be changed. It's not going back wherever you live in the country. Yeah. That is there. What about the issue of drug driving, Mick? Is that... 
a, a major factor? It is a major factor and getting more more uh, pro- prominent as time goes by. Uh, people should be aware that uh, conviction for dri- driving under the influence of drugs carries the very same penalties as for drunken driving. Four-year disqualification, hefty fines. Uh, one difference is worth noting, Jerry, is that in relation to alcohol, it's the concentration of alcohol in your system. In relation to drugs, it's the mere presence of drugs in your system. So it's not the concentration. And in some cases where I know that young people have take, say, an, eat, uh, an ecstasy tablet on a Saturday night, that can potentially stay in their system for up to a week or maybe even longer. And they could be stopped. If they were unfortunate enough to have an accident in the middle of the following week and that the guards test them, that may well still be in their system. So they should be very, very aware of that. That's interesting to yeah. note as well. Another point of warning and to take care of. Now, the, the big change in driving and motoring from a technology point of view, yes, it went under the bonnet of the car and all the safety features and it's much better nowadays. The mobile phone and the use of the mobile phone. A lot of people have Bluetooth, hands-free, all of that. But yet you'll still see people on the phone, Mick, Absolutely. And I will guarantee you, if you or I drive into Drogheda today, we'll meet somebody on mm. a mobile phone. Sadly, uh, at the present time, the statistics for the country show that mobile phones are the third biggest killer on the roads after uh, speeding and drunken driving. It's the third biggest. It is a big, big problem. Um I know people have lost their lives in accidents throughout Leinster because they were on mobile phones at the time. Uh, if they weren't on the bloody phones, it wouldn't happen. Uh, last year, sorry, 2016, 2017, 17% of fatalities were due to mo- mobile phone use. Bluetooth still works. You have no problem. It's the handheld, holding one hand up to the ear. That's the problem. And the RSA did an ad there a few years ago, and I thought it was a very catchy ad if people took it on. You can't concentrate on two things at the one time. If you're on a mobile phone and you're talking to somebody, you're concentrating on that, you're not concentrating on your driving. And I thought it was a very catchy ad because it's so true. You simply cannot concentrate on two things at the one time. And believe you me, when you're out on the road at the present time, you need all your concentration on oh, the road. Oh, you want your wits about you. you There's no doubt about, about that. The, the <laughs> other thing is, Mick, uh, and, and I use the Bluetooth myself, and in a way, when I think about it, what you say there, you're, you are talking to somebody and you need your senses to drive and be aware of what's yes. going on you. So I know you're not holding it, but in a way... It's your concentration isn't one hundred percent on the road. That's absolutely correct, and I know that the the leaders in uh, road safety in Europe are Sweden. Uh, I think the Bluetooth, if it's not banned at the present time, it's very, very going to be banned very soon, and every country will follow follow Sweden's uh, lead in that. You, you were saying to me a moment ago that there is, and they're working on this, a technology that actually will not allow mobile phones be used either holding them in your hand or within the car this is in developmental That's stage at developmental the moment, isn't it? stages in relation to the, the production of cars and uh, the sooner the better mm. it only applies to the driver's seat of the car the driver if the driver's in possession of a phone in the car let it be bluetooth let it be handheld or otherwise the car simply won't go for him and that's the bottom line you know Mick Finnegan's with us on late lunch he's Mead County Council road safety officer it is an irony on this day that he's with us uh, what, what happened in Donegal uh, in the early hours of this morning and we do want to say and make this clear we are not making any aspersions or pointing the finger to what happened in Donegal whatever happened there has to be investigated we don't know what the cause was of that accident and I, we do want to make that clear Absolutely. Uh, and make here this Absolutely. afternoon. Mead County Council Road Safety Officer Mick Finnegan is with me on late lunch this afternoon and we are getting comment from you. A caller wants to know Mick, what's the difference between talking to a person on Bluetooth 
or a passenger and talking on a handheld phone? Well, of course, uh, there's more concentration on a phone for number one yeah. anyway. There's definitely more concentration on a phone. Uh, we're not talking about Bluetooth at all. We're not. Uh, Bluetooth is legitimate. You can talk on Bluetooth. What we're talking about is people holding the phone up to their ear. And in that case, they have ha- only one hand that control in the car. Absolutely. Oh, there's a big difference. All right. Is you know what I mean? And when there's a passenger with you having a chat, you know, so you're traveling somewhere. Yeah. So we've had you, that. You have your two hands on the you have, you have and your two hands available. To you more to concentration. Jerry, yeah. uh, the L5050 in Johnstown Navin is a 50 zone despite several requests for action because there's crazy speeding on this road. I wonder could Mr Finnegan help us with this please? We'll pass on your number to Mick. He'll certainly, won't you Mick and take that on board and have a chat with that? that Of course because we want to know if there is a road that the limit should come down on and something can be done. That's what Mick and the councillor are there to help you with. Um, the, the other thing, Mick, uh, I wanted to talk about is the weather. Uh, it's going to really get cold from tonight on. We may have sn- sleet and snow. More care even needed. Absolutely more care needed because historically uh, bad weather leads to more accidents. Not all very serious accidents, not all fatalities, but cause a lot of damage. And the things, very few simple things that people should bear in mind, make sure the tyres are in good order. If they're only contact with the road, is the tyres. Make sure the tread is proper on them and make sure the, they have uh, the proper uh, uh, air in all wheels that they're all uh, matching each other for the amount of tyre pressure is very important tyre pressure absolutely check the tyre pressure make sure they have good good uh, tyres skidding uh, can happen very very simply um, a lot of people seem to think you'll, you'll uh, steer your way out of a skid. You'll never steer your way out of a skid. You'll go with the skid very, very gently on the steering wheel, very, very gently go with the skid. In most cases, you'll control the car that way, but don't ever try to steer out of the skid because it won't happen for you. You'll just go, the car will take gain speed on you and skid on you. Uh, turn on your lights, make sure you have dipped headlights. One thing I'd ask people to drive a safe distance from behind because if there's a skid, if there's a, uh, fr- any bit of frost on the road, you have very little room to do anything about it and you're going to be head into the car in front of you. And one other thing I could just say, Jerry, is in relation to black ice, if the weather forecast is correct, the danger is going to be there for black ice. And black ice is really, you think your everything is hunky-dory, you've got driving along the road, next thing you hit a spot of ice, possibly under trees or that, you're gone. So be very aware of hitting spots of black ice. Now, the other thing to mention, and I saw this myself last week, uh, I was driving just on the way out of Drogheda on a Monday evening, very dark, round about tea time. Two young lads, they were heading for a gymnasium uh, along a small country road. Mick, I didn't see them till I was, uh, uh, you know, right there. Now, they were on the right side of the road, because I wanted to ask you this. They were walking on the side towards, the traffic was coming towards them. Is that the right side of the road? It is, yeah. You must always, if you're walking on a road, face the oncoming traffic. Face the oncoming traffic. Walk on the right-hand side of the road. Okay. Or if there's no footpath, walk on the right-hand side of the road. There's a very simple reason for that. You're facing the traffic, which is on your side of the road. Mm. And if anything is going wrong with the the driver or with the car, uh, you have time to get out of the way. If the car's coming behind you on your side of the road, Road, you don't know what's going on behind you. Always walk on the right side of the road. Get high vis material of some description. It'll cost you nothing if you contact the RSA, they'll send it out to you. It'll cost you nothing, be it an armband, be it a high vis uh, vest or whatever. Wear something high visibility. I'm driving as you are, Jerry, and there's nothing as frightening as to land up on top of somebody oh. and suddenly you have people in front of you in dark clothes. 
it's not the driver's fault, mm. you know. So give the driver a chance as well and give yourself a chance by doing the right thing. Just get that viz. It, it does. Mick says they'll send it out to you for free, but Listen don't down. take the chance. It can only take a few hundred yards and your life You're exactly. it could be gone in an instant. It's a very important uh, point to make. Now, a point from a, a listener today. Jerry. People who drive slow and below the speed limit, in my opinion, are more of a hazard than people speeding because people want to get by them. They frustrate other drivers. Mick? I agree entirely with that uh, caller. Uh, people driving too slowly can be a menace on the road and they do cause road rage in some cases. But it's certainly not more dangerous than speeding. The single biggest killer on the road is speeding. Make no mistake about that. Mm. But people shouldn't be hogging the road at, at a very, very, very slow speed mm. because they do cause um, they do cause aggressive Yeah, that, that's the other extreme of it as well. Yeah. The only thing I'll say to you is you can stop a slow car you, you know, I've come to that car. conclusion. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Yeah. I know what the caller is I know what they're saying. There. I do know what you're... And the yeah. point you're but making there. there's certainly no comparison between a slow driver and speeding. Speeding is a non, no-no because yeah. it's the biggest killer on the roads and people want to realise that. Somebody else wants to know, what's your view on having... Uh, I, I, I take it this person mightn't have Bluetooth, but they leave the phone on the dashboard with the speaker on. But you still have to answer it, I take it. You know what I mean? You still have to make contact with the, the phone in some way. The offence in relation to uh, using mobile phones and driving is to handle the phone in any description, whether it be turn on the phone, turn it off, do anything with it. Okay. It's handling the phone. It's not talking on Bluetooth. Yeah, and if you're like seen by the guard, you're spotted. I, I know this. They will pull you, and it, it is an offence. You're right yeah. there. So handling the phone, that's the important point to make. If you handle it handling the phone is the, the, the offence. That is the offence that we're talking yeah. about there. Now, the NCT, uh, and I see just as an article in the paper today, it's in the mirror, it says the NCT have issued findings about, and you touched on it there a moment ago, about your tyre pressure and having all good tyres, etc. Tyres they raise, stoplights not functioning on the back of cars, brakes, 50% that they've tested, don't meet the mark in terms of brake, no brake fluid, etc, etc. Look, the NCT was brought in for a reason, wasn't it? It was brought in for a reason, it was brought in for a very good reason. Mm. And uh, I saw, I'm aware of that headline today, and it's it's frightening, really, the number of cars, because they're in a nutshell, they're bangers. Mm. They shouldn't be on the road, them cars should not be on the road. And without being... Uh, in CT, if they have to be in CT, they should be roadworthy, and them cars are not roadworthy. Mm. And that's uh, the bottom line. Uh, and them. that is a point. When you come up with a, 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 a litany of faults like that, my yeah. God, like, is it worth? You know, you'll have to put a lot of money into your car to put it right, yeah. but it's something that should be looked at. The other thing, Mick, and you alluded to it a moment ago there, um, aggressive driving and bad manners on the road. You're seeing this more and more. You said even from your own experience. Well, I'm on the road a lot, and I. Um, you know, there's a, the, we're trying to keep down the number of collisions, the number of fatalities, the number of injuries on the road. And there's times you'd wonder how there's not more accidents because there is a lot of aggressive driving and there's a lot of bad manner driving on the road, which there's no need for. Because my experience, if you were going, say you're travelling 20, 20 kilometres, the difference is a minute or two to get there by driving properly, driving safely, not putting yourself or anybody else in danger rather than what some people are doing. They're passing when it's unsafe to do so. Continuous white lines on the road seem to be of no... doesn't even register with them. I'm looking at every other week, they're passing on continuous white lines, which is an offence apart, apart from the danger of it. They don't seem even to realise that they shouldn't be passing on it. I saw it recently, people crossing on, uh, overtaking on double, continu- on double white lines, continuous white lines. 
they are serious offences and they're there for a reason. Believe me, they are there for a reason. They're there because it's dangerous to overtake at them sort of places. But I'd ask people to have patience and drive safely. And the one thing in the overall context, Jerry, is that people need to take responsibility for their own safety on the road. It's all right talking about the RSA, the guards, the uh, LMF advertisements, the lot. They need to take responsibility for their own safety on the roads. And until that happens, sadly, there will be more incidents on the road. I just recount something that happened to myself uh, on Saturday last, uh, and it was quite near to the studios here uh, on the top of the Ratmullen Road in Drogheda. Myself, my daughter and granddaughter were shopping, and we were coming down the Ratmullen Road here. You know it well, Mick, heading down towards that bad uh, junction at the corner of the bridge there. But when we... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm going down the hill here, just at the bottom, where the new houses are being built into the left there, just at the start of, say, the Ratmullen Road housing. A guy came towards us, and he was in a white golf, a single male driver in a white golf and it was wet at the time in the morning and Mick I I don't know whether my daughter saw or she was driving but I could just see this guy he came up that road scorching I mean scorching I, he went by us in the blink of an eye but in a second I, you know the way you get this uh, feeling uh, well, the hair stands on the back of your neck and that yeah. I honestly thought he was about to lose that white golf yeah, on the bend yeah. and plough he would have killed the three of us. Yeah, and I don't know how he made the bend. It was wet conditions. Yeah, and yeah. he made, But I can tell you something, Mick, that uh, I was actually... And I said to Sarah, did you... And I don't know whether she really saw it, but I did, Mick. Yeah. But that one fellow, at his speed, could have caused devastation in an instant. Absolutely. And I was involved in that on, on Saturday. You know, yeah. a white golf, a single male driver heading up uh, the Ratmullen Road on Saturday around about 12 to 1 o'clock. Shocking, Mick. It's shocking, and when the the history of accidents is that they happen in a flash. 
you haven't time to control a car. They just something happens. They happen in a flash. Be it a skid, be it overtaken, and it's a car appearing out somewhere. You haven't time to get out of the way. Mm. And sadly, in a lot of cases, they take somebody with them. Here's a, another comment, and thank you. Plenty of comments coming to us, Liam. Thank you, Jerry. There are a lot more cars on the road now, so there's bound to be more accidents. I think that ad about the Lerner driver involved in the accident that killed a man's wife and daughter is unfair. You're entitled to your opinion, Liam. Could a fully qualified driver not have caused the same accident? Yes, perhaps they could. How many fatalities are caused by Lerner drivers? With a question mark. Well, we'd have to check that out for you. Uh, a knee-jerk law was passed because of this accident. I pity the driver involved in the accident. With the daily reminders on television, to me it's unnecessary. Uh, I think it would. Uh, I would be tempted to sue for mental torture if I was the person involved there. Well, look at. Uh, I don't know whether Mick has stats. I don't think you have probably with you today about learner I drivers. The, the one comment I'll make in relation to the extra traffic on the road, of course, there's extra traffic on the road, but that doesn't mean there should be extra accidents. If people obey the simple rules of the road they'll reduce the number of accidents immediately. Mm. The, no matter how much traffic or a little traffic on the road, if they obey the simple rules of the road, they will cut down on the accidents. Mm. And everything, I think, Liam, is designed. I know it's tough on learner drivers, but look, at the idea is to get somebody for a time learning and then that they qualify and they pass a test and that puts them in a position to have, you know what I mean, qualification to drive on the road. And I understand the point you're making on that there as well. But I, I think, make it's fair to say everybody is working in whatever way they can, to make our roads safer. Yeah, there's an awful lot of work going on to make our roads safer. And I suppose the figures are going back, I know it's going back 37 or 8 years. Yeah. The, the statistics show they're down four or 500% yes. in the number of fatalities. But still 150 is 150 too many, you know. It's too and many. If I, was, if I had a thing to say, I would ask people just to be conscious of the figures already in January this year. 16 people, not January, not even out. And make a resolution to not to be in an accident do the right thing do it all the time irrespective of what traffic is on the road heavy traffic or light traffic do the right thing and you're going a long long way to avoiding accidents Mick it's been a pleasure talking to you again today and if we've jogged some people into you know taking more care on the road I'm sure you have with your words today please 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 listen to what Mick has had to say and do go carefully and let's make our roads safer for all road users that's the name of the game and again today we remember those four young men who lost their lives tragically in Donegal last evening and their families may they rest in peace Mick Finnegan road safety officer with Mead County Council thank you for joining me again thank you Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. It's regarded as a skill that's essential in many roles today. What am I talking about? Multitasking. However, my next guest is firmly of the opinion that multitasking makes you less productive and can lead to stress and burnout. I'm so interested in talking to this woman. Siobhan Murray, you're welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you so much. Lovely to be talking to you. Thank you for joining me. How have you arrived at this conclusion? So last year, I was writing a book on burnout. And one of the areas that I was I was looking into and researching was multitasking, something that we, we all do it. Everybody does it. Kids do it. I mean, you see people walking down the street with their phones in their face. Um, and may I add, funnily enough, we can walk and talk at the same time. That's not multitasking. That's actually using two different parts of the brain. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I, in, in writing the book, I 
went into lots of research on multitasking and I found out, which I hadn't known, that the term multitasking actually was coined for the use of how the back end of computers flit from task to task. Right. And if you think computers have no emotional attachment to their tasks, so they go from uh, a document to a different document, from emails to looking up something on, on the internet... Um, but there's no emotional connection. We as human beings go from task to task. And if we're in the middle of doing something and we're asked or something pops into our head and we decide to do something else, there's an emotional connection in there of I have to stop doing what I have to do, thinking about that, then thinking about the other task, we're flitting over to multitask. And the time that's wasted, and there's research to back this up, the time that's wasted in that little middle bit is where we're non-productive. Then we have to go from the second task back to the first task, so we have another gap. So this this flitting backwards and forwards means that that emotional connection is where we get, where we lose our productivity. Okay, and I'm sitting here thinking, holy God almighty, she's describing my day here every day. <laughs> because you take a show like this, look at the different guests we have and the subjects we're dealing with every day and the people in the office, out of the office, the emails, the phone, the WhatsApps, all that type of stuff. How do I get away from all that? It's impossible, is it? For I'm just talking about it on a personal basis here. Okay, well, let's just look at it from the average day. We're not talking about the things that pop up, the unexpected. Mm. But by and large, so for example, I have a certain time of the morning I check my email and then I close my email tab down so I don't see it pinging at me and I don't go back into it till another set time. So, so they I, can wait. That's what you're saying to me, Siobhan. You know the way yeah. we're all instant. I want to reply now. Come back to me. Blah, 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 blah. You're saying, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's just do this a little more slowly. Yep. And, and, and it still gets done because then when yep. I'm checking my email... I'm not checking my phone mm. so that the 15, 20 minutes I've dedicated to checking my emails, I'm completely focused on that. Right. And then I know that when I finish doing that, I'm going on to the next task. Because juggling lots of different things, which in the nature even of what you do, you've got lots of different things going on. So you know you've got to know what Siobhan is going to come on and talk about, what yep. you're going to, who you're going to talk to next. But that's juggling. So juggling is different. Okay. Of course we can juggle because we've got those, those different balls and we're going consciously from one to the other. It's when we, you're in the middle of talking to me, but actually you're looking at the screen to see who's next. So you're then going, I'll have to get back to what Siobhan's saying. What, what's she saying? And then <laughs> what's next? I understand. I understand. And you know, I'm delighted here. If I ever... Uh leave this seat or they want me to I can join the circus because I'm good at juggling <laughs> only God only God anyway I see I, I do see the distinct uh, difference you're making between the two there but look what are the implications if if we're you know on this treadmill of multitasking and not giving anything the attention it requires and I, I take it then that different tasks or situations fall down when you don't do them properly and you're trying to flip between one and the other what what's the upshot where does this lead to well it means that we're not 100% giving our attention to any one task yeah. and we're distracted and i think you know one of one of my big things is is the amount of, of time that is spent with our phones in our hands um i mean i will hold my hand up and say that, you know i'm i'm trying to cook the dinner 
I have the phone in my hand, which I don't do anymore, um, which means I'm not really concentrating on cooking dinner, nor am I really concentrating or giving my attention to texting somebody back. Yeah. Um, so what's happening is I'm getting stressed. I'm getting annoyed with who I'm texting. I'm getting annoyed I have to cook dinner. And now I'm into low-grade stress. And if I stay in low-grade stress continually, that's putting huge amounts of physical and emotional pressure on my body, which is where we end up heading towards burnout. Okay, so that is where this all leads to at the end of the day. And this is something you have discovered from your personal situation. Yes, I have experienced burnout um, twice in my life, more most recently last year, and I'm very open and honest in the process of writing this book. I took on um, writing it, but I didn't let go of anything else I was doing, so I had to add all these, find these extra hours in my day, every day, to, to dedicate. And the more I wrote about it, the more I researched, the more fascinated I was about it. Um, but the difference for me, I suppose, in, in realising once the book had gone to the publisher and that was it, and I was utterly exhausted. My body, well, I wasn't eating well, I wasn't sleeping well. I knew what I had to do to put back in place. So I was able to fast track the process of, of getting myself back into a good place. Still took a good two and a half, nearly three months to get myself there. Mm. Um, and I have that knowledge. So if somebody doesn't even realize the habits that they are doing and what it's causing their body, they have to go through the process of acknowledging what are they doing, how can they change, and then getting really strict with themselves of making those changes and changing those behaviors and putting new boundaries in place and realizing actually I can't be checking my emails while I'm cooking dinner or while I'm walking down the road because it's just adding to that stress in their bodies. Yes, and you know, it is so true uh, what you say. And that's that's a good example. You know, people even calling you when you're in the middle of uh, getting food and stuff ready for the family in the evenings. I've seen it myself. And, you know, I have. I, I want to tell you this. I've honestly made a decision. I don't do that. When I'm preparing or eating meals, I leave it aside and the replies, etc., can wait. Just back to what you said there. I think you mentioned sleep, not sleeping well. What are the signs for anybody listening today uh, you know, that are busy with many things going on in their lives, that they are burned out. Some other signs? Some of the signs, well, it is it is complete exhaustion, even if you've had a good night's sleep or what you think is a good night's sleep. Maybe you're not even sleeping. It's cynicism um, of your environment, whether it's home or whether it's work. It's feeling very disengaged. It's becoming antisocial, not wanting to go out and talk to people because really you don't feel like you've got anything to contribute in a positive way. Um, or maybe you're going out because you feel obliged to, being resentful for your situation um, and just not seeing joy in anything. Mm. Um, now, they're just some of the signs, you know, the other signs. And last year I had three people come to me um, to work with me and all three of them, thankfully, did take themselves to hospital because they felt that they were in about to have a heart attack or were having a, a heart attack. All three of these, one gentleman and two ladies, um, they, they had all their tests done and there was not one physical thing wrong with them in the sense that they were 100% healthy in the eyes of the medical profession. But it was their level of stress that they were under that caused their muscles to contract to such an extent because they'd been in stress for so long that they actually felt they were having a heart attack. Mm. 
Now, that's a very serious stage to get to. Mm. But you must acknowledge this, I take it, first, which you did and they did as well. And then is it easy to move away from the situation you find yourself in? Do you have to be very disciplined? Do you have to set the boundaries immediately and stick to them? It's interesting. Well, the way the book is laid out, it's done over 12 weeks. So we look at the first The first week is all about stress and what it is, because there's good stress and we do need stress. It's what keeps us safe. Um, and I explain all of that. And then I talk about your basics, your foundations, your sleep, your nutrition, your exercise. Once we get those into a good, steady rhythm, it's about then looking at your multitasking, about your boundaries mm. and different things that you can then start to implement. But I do think this country... We are fabulous in the fact that we think selfish is a bad word, really bad word. Um, You know, don't be selfish. I think we're brought up with it. I'm 49 and and it's something that I would remember very much. Selfish, you always put other people first. We don't realize that if we're not looking after ourselves, we're of no benefit to anybody else because we're irritable and grumpy. We might be having arguments at home uh, over nothing, but because we're so irritated, because we're so exhausted, because we feel so devalued and we're burnt out, things escalate. So it affects our, our relationships. It affects our relationships with family, with partners, with children, with uh, our parents. It Right across the board, it, it, it has such an effect that if we don't start to learn that selfish is not a bad word, that selfish, it's like saying, saying no to things so that you can say yes to the good things about, you know, no, I can't, I'm not going to go and do X, Y, and Z because I really need to go and have a walk this evening. I need to clear my head and I need to de-stress. And that's my de-stressor is going for a walk, not reaching for a glass of wine or a pint. Okay, so there are interesting points you make there. And the the biggest one is, of course, you're right, that has uh, been ingrained in us as Irish people Mm -hmm. for generations at this stage. And, you know, it's to turn that and say, if number one is not right, well, all else round uh, is going to be in, uh, problematic as, as well. You, you found this obviously massively beneficial to yourself. Yeah, I'm a single mum. I have two boys, nearly one. The youngest is nearly 12 and a 13-year-old. And if I didn't have boundaries in place, uh, I would be perpetually exhausted. Uh, I'm only marginally exhausted <laughs> raising my children. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't I don't adhere to everything every day because there's life throws the curveballs, but I manage the curveballs much better. I respond versus reacting. I'm able to process because I'm able to go, okay, what do I need to do for me right now? I actually need to go for a walk. Okay, I'm gonna go for a walk or I'm going to sit down and have a cup of tea. Or I'm actually just going to for me, one of my biggest mindfulness practices is reading. And I'm able and I don't, my mindfulness reading isn't all the, the great self-help books and psychotherapy books and coaching books, but they are crime thrillers. They're things that I immerse myself in so I'm completely and utterly present. Sometimes even on a Saturday, half an hour doing that in the middle of the afternoon is enough for me to regroup to be able to deal with the situations yeah. that are can be perceived as stressful. Mm. Do you know what I'm thinking? I'm sure there's a lot of people are born out and they don't actually realise it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the big thing, the realisation of it. We've just had a Facebooker on to us that says, uh, wants us to ask you something, Siobhan. Uh, will yeah. you ask Siobhan, I have a friend who visits my house a lot and when he comes into the house, he is on his phone constantly. Mm. What can I do to change this? It really is the height of ignorance. Well, I know what I do. 
I, I, to be quite honest, I would turn around and you can be very lighthearted about it, but I would say, you know, when you're here visiting me, is it okay if we, we collectively don't look at our phones mm. um, because I don't get to see you that often or when you're here, I really love your company and I want to be able to chat to you um, because otherwise when, when you don't say it, you start to feel resentful towards that person. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's it. You have to just uh, make the point, stand up and address it in a nice way, as you say, and, and point. But there's somebody, obviously, that's probably has a, a bit of stress in their lives and maybe trying to burn the candle at both ends or, or, or even more. So 12 weeks to a calmer you, guaranteed when you read Siobhan Murray's The Burnout Solution. Yes? Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you think burnout doesn't happen overnight, and it definitely takes time to recover. But one of the things I'll also say is, and it's, it's for anyone who's thinking, will I go and get this book? Is she going to say, I've got to go off and spend a load of money to get myself better now um, or to, to build all this fabulous resilience that I'm going to? There is nothing other than the cost of the book. There is nothing in the book that costs money. It's all very practical. It's all common sense. But sometimes we need to have that accountability to be able to go, actually, there's, and there's case studies in the book of people that I've worked with. So then they're there for people to be able to identify with and go, actually, I get that. That's, that really rings true for me. And that one simple change that woman or that man made in their lives, you know, changed the way they felt. And if I can get people to do that, just make one little change, I think the book is doing its job. I wish you well with it. I enjoyed reading it myself. 12 Weeks to a Calmer You, The Burnout Solution by Siobhan Murray. Thanks for taking our call and I'm sure big benefit in listening to what you had to say today and the pointers you've given. Thanks a million, Siobhan. You're very welcome. Lovely talking to you. You too. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Siobhan Murray there. Could you do with this book? Anyone out there want this book? As uh, Siobhan said, there's nothing in it that'll cost you uh, a euro. But it'll cost you nothing at all because I have a copy of the book to give to one of you this afternoon. Would you like a copy of the book? If you're stressed, really stressed, really, really stressed, you know, if you want to tell me if you'd need this book, if it'd be great for you, why would you use it? Whatever you want yourself, send me a message. I love to hear from you. Send me a little message and I'll pick somebody to give the book to uh, this afternoon. The Burnout Solution. 12 weeks and you'll be right as rain. Tell me why with your name and details and uh, send it in now to 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp number and uh, you can get in touch with us on that for free. If you want to continue to text us it's the same number and uh, you know let's hear what you have to say and we'll pick somebody for that before the end of the show you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park the nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk my word, Mick uh, Finnegan has certainly prompted lots of comment from you this afternoon. Here's another one for you. People take risks on the road. There isn't a day that I've seen people pull out or misjudge the distance and a near miss inevitably happens. People are careless and rush about too much. You're saying the young driver, but I'm sorry, older middle-aged drivers are just as bad. I'm glad the guard are able to stop and spot check, give penalty points and people lose licences on the spot. I was hit by a drunk middle-aged driver on a Sunday afternoon. He was so drunk he left the scene of the accident, rode off my car and did serious damage to my daughter and myself. The system as it stands needs more change, Jerry. My God almighty, that was... 
a ferocious time, wasn't it, for you and your family, that accident there? And uh, hopefully everybody is well today and over it. But by God almighty, when you're involved in an accident, I'm sure it even brings it home more to you. Thanks indeed for that comment. Yes, more needs to be done. I have to agree with you there. Deirdre says the worst thing is when you're trying to help an older person across the road and drivers are not courteous. They won't let you uh, they won't stop to let you across. Margaret was on to say that our by-roads are not able for the traffic. We can't pass safely on them. And it's mostly on our by-roads that accidents are happening. Mary's call from RD to say that shopping in Super Value in RD is a nightmare. It's a one-way system. You have to come out onto the main Kells RD road. It's very dangerous trying to get out there. There should be a yellow box which would help people to see. And it would be much easier to come out onto this road. Thanks for that suggestion, Mary. Super Value RD. Kells Road, Louth County Council are you listening? A mead listener was on to say that on Sundays those out cycling are sometimes very far out in the road and don't keep in a single file. And another problem, Jerry, is the tractor drivers who won't pull in to let traffic overtake. There's always a long queue behind them. It's frustrating and so on and so on the comments go. Thank you so much for sending them in to us. We do appreciate it. Uh, Siobhan Murray's book, The Burnout Solution Anne Lappin, that's yours today. Thank you, Anne was in touch with us, along with many others as well, but it's for you today, Anne. We'll be in touch after the show. Numismatics. I have to get that pronunciation very right. Did you ever hear of it? What are we talking about? Numismatics. It's a new word to me. I know what it's about. You can too, if you stay with us on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Michael Kenny is an historian and former keeper at the Art and Industry Division of the National Museum of Ireland, and he's on the line with me. Afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon. Well, you better tell them, because I've left them in suspense for the last few minutes. Numismatics, what is it? It's the study of coins, coinage and related matters. So it's coins, medals, uh, tokens, that whole world. Not necessarily just of money, but money and medals. Yeah, and you've been involved in this for a great part of your life. Have you a collection of your own, Michael? I do not have a collection of my own, (laughs) but uh, because I worked in the National Museum, I was able to, uh, should we say, talk to my coins (laughs) on a daily basis from (laughs) 95, which was quite enough for me. I, I never went into the business and lots of people have asked that question yeah and uh, I, I can understand did. yeah you're at it all day nine to five and you're deep into it and you love it you need a break from it uh, it, was when, when, the, it was the day job yeah so I didn't bring it home <laughs> I understand tell me this when did coins first come to Ireland and who brought them here well the, the first coins found in Ireland are Roman coins but there are very few of them because there's no direct contact the Romans uh, took one look across at this wet and windy place and didn't come. But uh, Roman coins have turned up in Ireland. But the first big push uh, of, of, of coins into the country came with the Vikings. OK, so the they Vikings. were the first ones to bring uh, the little coins. metal here, yeah? Yes, they were. And to circulate it and use it as coin. And uh, the, the, say from around, oh, in the, from around 900 or thereabout, I'm, I'm rough, roughing it. The first hundred years or so, from 900 to 1,000, the Vikings were using Anglo-Saxon coins and European coins. They were using the coins of other people. Hmm. And then they decided to go the, ne- the next obvious step. They branched out and uh, produced their own coinage. 
and that's in the 990s. So it, it does go back. And goes those are back. silver pennies. Yeah, and it goes back a long, long time. And from there, it moved along. And then, of course, uh, the country was occupied by Britain, and I presume they brought there. But there's a big step from the Vikings to them. Yeah, well, you have the Vikings brought their coins, then the Normans brought their coins, and then there were coins issued by various English kings up along. And uh, then in the 17th century, you have coins issued by several warring parties, uh, parliamentarians and royalists and the Confederation of Kilkenny and coins issued left, right and centre. And there's also a world of, um, in the 17th century particularly, of tokens, where traders, because there was a shortage of small change, traders issued their own tokens. And those are also very interesting historically because they give you an idea of economic activity. Right. There's lots of stuff you can read with yeah. and from them. So, so there was a, a number of currencies operating concurrently in, the, in, in, in on the island here. And as regards value, were they of similar values? No, the the main coin right through the 12th, 13th century was the silver penny. Right. Uh, and, and then in, at a later point then there's a coin called a groat which is fourpence. Mm. And then later again, when we come into the more modern period, you have shillings, sixpences, crowns, half-crowns, and yes. all of that. And right up to the coinage that people of a certain age remember. Uh, <laughs> of course. Before, the, before the, the euro came upon it. Yeah, yeah. And and a, then, lot, a lot of people do remember that, Michael, for sure. But just just a context, you know, that coinage you mentioned about there, the penny and uh, the truppence, the sixpence, the shilling, you name it. That came in, that was, when did that British currency apply here from? What uh, times? Well, there is, uh, first of all, you have regular English currency in the 16th, 17th and 18th century. Yeah. You have at the same time an Irish an Irish coinage, which also circulated at the same time, an Irish coinage for Ireland, as it were, but again, under the British dispensation. Yes. English first, then British. And uh, that was discontinued after the Act of Union. So there's a blank hundred years from eighteen, from just after eighteen hundred until we got our own coinage again in nineteen twenty-eight. Yeah, and I was that, looking that, at that. Yeah, that we do remember, or some of us do at any rate. Yeah, nineteen twenty-eight farthing, halfpenny, penny, truppence, shilling, florin, and half crown. Explain to to those who, all right, a lot of them wouldn't know what a florin was worth. Uh, that would be two shillings. Mm. Mm. Uh, flour and, and half, half crown is two, two shillings and six pence. Okay, yes. uh, and uh, that coinage stayed with us right up until well, t- until the advent of the. It, it became uh, decimalised in in the seventies, and then disappeared altogether uh, with the advent of the. The euro. Whenever that was on. Yeah, and, and you know, when you look at our coinage, I, I know people would remember, the harp was a big part of the coins. And, of course, then there were depictions of different animals and birds on the coins as well. And Irish characters and people. And, and that's all gone now with the euro. Uh, the euro, yes, this is one of the downsides, uh, that uh, with the euro, all of that is gone, apart from the, the harp. But all the... Our, that lovely coinage of the, the horse and the bull and, and mm. all, that, all emanating from that 1928 coinage. Uh, it, it's a pity to see it gone. Yeah, do the I... other side of, of this, uh, apart from coins, as I mentioned at an earlier stage, medals, because side by side with coins, you had the use of medals, not obviously for a coin-like function, but for a whole range of commemorative functions and for, let say, military and uh, economic, religious temperance, a whole range of human activity which was uh, should say, could be remembered by 
by by medals. Yes. Now the the medals have died to some degree died off a bit outside of sporting medal, but in more recent years back again, medals using medals uh, to commemorate, and they're useful because they are in hard, cold metal, and in this digital world, it's nice to have something solid uh, to remember, say, events such as, for example, the 1916 Rising War of Independence, that whole world, Mm. uh, uh, to be remembered by something that will remain and remain with you if you're interested in having, as I said, history in your hand. Yes. There's even, a, there is a, a company uh, at the minute called the Dublin Mint Office, and they are actually have produced some very nice medals on the 1916 and the signatories and the foundation of uh, the Free State. Yes. Michael Collins and a whole range. And they're actually just at this point, just as we speak, I was talking to one of your people today, they're producing... Uh, and actually a free medal on to commemorate the War of in- Independence. OK, and that's the Dublin Mint Office? It's, called, it's, it's a company called the Dublin Mint Office. And, and this medal is free. How do people get it? Uh, they go online and uh, you, you can order it. The, uh, you can go and order it online. Just I think it's uh, yes. somewhere. DublinMintOffice.ie slash radio. So you can go online, order the medal, and I think it's free, one per household, and uh, maybe a small postage. Yeah, and it, it just means that if you are interested in the world of history, that you can have in your hand for the, for the price of postage something that commemorates a very important mm. period mm. in Irish history. Absolutely, I was looking at one there. You mentioned nineteen sixteen, and of course, uh, the hundred years was quite recently. My God, it's hard to believe it's nearly three years gone already. Yes. Uh, the the centenary, but there was a ten shilling piece issued in nineteen sixty six. To commemorate, did you see? Did you ever handle any of those? I handled them as part of the day job. Those coin came out in 1966. As far as I remember, they depicted at least on one side anyway, Patrick Pierce. That's right. But they were not popular as coins. I understand. Right. People, they were they were really, I suppose, ahead of their time with, mm. with something um, as important as ten shillings, which was a lot of money in 1966. Of course, people wanted and expected a note. Yeah. <laughs> and there are all sort of um, folk stories of people mistakenly putting 50 pen or 50, 10 shilling pieces into collection boxes to their own horror when they only meant to put in, say, two shillings or sixpence or something else. Oh, my word. <laughs> uh, so if, if you were had a, a 10 shilling coin in your hand expecting to go out on Sunday night and you gave it to the priest on Sunday morning by mistake, it didn't cheer you up for the week, you know? It certainly did. I didn't. presume you could hardly go in and uh, retrieve it. <laughs> Look for a refund. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take off. It, it, I think it was the wrong, the wrong thing at the wrong time. So mm, they just mm. were not popular as coins. Yes, and, and I think people did prefer the ten shilling note. The note, yeah, yeah. What colour was that note? Was it red? No, reddish. Yeah, yeah. see, I even remember that myself. Yeah, the ten shilling. It was worth. It was worth a few pound back then. It, it was worth, uh, worth mm. quite a lot of money. It was. It really was. What about value in in coins? Are there any Irish coins from the nineteen twenty eight onwards, from that first collection of uh, the Republic of Ireland uh, coinage? Is there any value in any of those? Have you had some of them? Uh, there are. There are some variations. I think the more important is um, nineteen forty two and forty three. Uh, the half crown and the and the half crown and the two shillings uh, in in the in that period, say nineteen forty two, forty three. There were a number of factors. Number one, we didn't have a mint at that point. 
our material was being uh, minted at the British Mint. Uh, also, you have the uh, little matter of the Second World War mm. and London being bombed and blitzed and the dangers of actually ferrying coinage across the Irish Sea. There's all sorts of reasons uh, why the, the, the silver coinage, and at this point, the silver coinage is not nominal silver, it's still a silver coinage. Yeah. Uh, so you have the problem of, of sourcing metal as well. Mm. Uh, so for one reason or another, the, the half crown and two shillings is rare enough for uh, 1942-3, just for that period. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if you pick up the same coin for 1940, it's not. So it's just, it's just from a collecting point of view. But um, in my own day job over the years, uh, obviously, I I bought but never sold, if you know what I mean. So we we bought material for the National, in my case, for the National Museum. So in terms of putting hard commercial value on coinage, on coins, really, you'd need to go to a coin dealer. People yes. Who are, people who are making their of course, but you- wage or their weekly wage... It's for whom it's their bread and butter. Anyway, they're they're searching as we speak for forty two and forty three. You've said that going on already. Particularly in the, on the two two shillings, I think. Okay, and the other thing to note as well in living memory, look at the changes we had. We had the changes to decimalisation, then we had the Irish punt, the currency, and then onto the euro. So there's been quite a bit of change. A lot of change. That, that's not a pun, by the way. Quite a bit. In a, in a relatively short space of time, mm. and that's on that, and that is just on on the on the coinage itself. Uh, on the on the other half of the story, on the on the medal front, uh, medals at one point were being produced for, uh, you know, shows and uh, the show, um, agricultural shows particularly. Mm. And of course, the military medal was always popular. Medals for one war or another, uh, religious medals, uh, temperance medals, which you might or might not remember. I certainly remember temperance medals, and they all—they're all part of the—they're all part of our history. In one yeah, way. they are. And they all speak speak to you in one way or another, including mm. the, the one that I was just discussing, the War of Independence one. I mean, that—that's its hundredth anniversary has just, as we know, just kicked off literally this week, and the idea that. You can actually have and hold and access that sort of material. It's good. It is. I would say that because I've been hooked on history all my life. You're passionate about it, but we understand that. But you you speak the truth. They are lovely. I think coins are always lovely to have. Vera's just been on to say that she has sovereigns with Queen Victoria on them, Elizabeth and King George. A sovereign, remind me again, what was that worth, Michael? Sovereign, uh, sovereign was uh, a pound. And the guinea is 21 shillings. Okay, right. Uh, there was a guinea of 21 shillings, and uh, the guinea, I think, is long. Well, the guinea is, is long, in, in a sense, obviously. It's the only people who are still nominally using guineas, I think, that they're, they're maybe still using them. I mean, as in, from, from a reckoning purpose, in the, or was for a long time in the horse industry, or the buying and selling of horses was in guineas, if you remember. Yes, of course. It, in, indeed, it was. The uh, guinea is 20. The guinea was... 21 shillings the sovereign was um, a pound yeah okay so that's all half sovereign the, the, the sovereigns and half sovereigns during the Victorian period there was a massive uh, the British Empire were being very large very prosperous and very very busy there was a, a vast array of coin, coins and coinage and, and, in, and in huge quantities yeah particularly the lower denominations and some of those survived right up into my my youth, I remember 
pennies of Queen Victoria happily circulating along with the Irish penny with the hen and chickens. Oh my, yeah, and the you hen. Know, in the, when I was a little kid in the, in the, in the late 50s. Yeah. Of the, of the last century. Okay, and a half sovereign then is worth half a sovereign. A yeah. sovereign you said was a pound, so um, a half a pound sterling or 120 old pence is a half yeah, sovereign, isn't old, that? I begin to forget this myself, but the old, yeah, the old pound had 240. It had, it had 240. So a half sovereign was 120 old pence, just to clarify that. So a sovereign yeah. 240 in, uh, there as well. It's a fascinating subject, it really is. So we just remind people again, Dublin Mint Office, a commemorative medal at the moment. It's free to you if you go online and check it out. And, and, put and, it and, and check it out. And it's, as far as I understand, it's one per household. Brilliant. And uh, those are the sort of, sort of imaginative ways to remember our past. Absolutely, and get them and hold them for posterity, uh, posterity and give them to your children and grandchildren. Michael, fascinating. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much. Take Thank care you. of yourself. That's Michael Kenny there. We're talking about coins and medals to wrap up Monday's late lunch. We'll be back with another instalment for you tomorrow from half one. Eddie's up next with The Drive. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.